All right, we are back. Biscuits and SEC doing an SEC preview thing. This is the official start of college football season, and I'm very happy to welcome back the Hammer and Bossman Slim into here to talk a little bit about college football. How you guys doing? Doing great, man. It's good to see you, Stephen. It's been a long off season, and uh, we're excited for Week Zero. All right. Before we get started, I do want to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Anyway, let's go ahead and get right into it. Vanderbilt is going like 4,000 miles to Honolulu. They're playing in a 9,000-seat stadium, which some could argue is about 4,000 more than Dudley Field gets on a regular basis. But this is an interesting game because Vanderbilt is a road favorite. Road six-and-a-half-point favorite in this game. I, I don't know what to think about that. Hawaii must be absolutely terrible. Yeah, uh, I'll start it off and then we'll let Hammer go. But, um, yeah, I think you're right. And, uh, you know, I was reading up a little bit on this game because I don't know a ton about what's going on out there with the Rainbow Warriors uh, in Hawaii. I know they got a new coach. They got Timmy Chang. Uh, out there who, uh, you know, passed for a million yards when he was at Hawaii and had a great career while he was there. Uh, so that should be interesting. Their their offense should be high flying, but I also know that they're pretty depleted. Um, I think they only returned six starters from last year's team. Um, they have had a little success in uh, beating non-conference opponents uh, at home, but uh, this week I don't think that's going to be the case. I know, uh, you know, Mike Wright is going to be the starter now at Vanderbilt. He was announced uh, by Clark Lee a few weeks ago that he's going to be uh, taking the reins out there in Nashville. Uh, and I like him. I, I think that a lot of the national pundits like him as well. I think he's going to be a solid fit uh, for what that what they want to do. Um, and I, I think he's a, a good building block to, to keep building this Vanderbilt program. Um, and at the end of the day, this is an SEC team. Uh, you know, while they're probably going to be last in the SEC, as most pundits have picked them, um, you know, I think that they're going to go to Hawaii and uh, show them who's boss, you know, start the SEC champ early uh, this year in week zero. Yeah, I, uh, I totally agree. So, you know, when it comes to Hawaii, as Alex mentioned, they got a new coach. Uh, that's because Todd Graham, previously of what, Pittsburgh and Arizona State fame, uh, basically had a mutiny on his hands, I believe, at the end of last season. Tons of players left the program in the transfer portal, apparently just a really bad situation. So yeah, they, they went to the hometown hero. Um, you know, I, I don't know really what to say about Hawaii other than I don't think they're a good football team and Vanderbilt is also not a great football team, but should be much better than, than Hawaii. So outside of some fluke plays, you know, maybe Chang has some tricks up his sleeve that he catches them off guard, not really knowing what he's going to do as a head coach. Maybe the time zone throws them off, although I know Vanderbilt's been there for like a week, so can't really use that excuse. Um, yeah, if you're Vanderbilt, you have to win this game. I think Vanderbilt will be slightly improved overall this year. I don't think it's going to translate into a ton of wins, but this is one that they absolutely are capable of winning and winning handily. Yeah, if you look at the um, Commodores over the course of the season, you can look at their schedule and see that 3-1 and one is not outside the realm of possibility. And then they get a Wake Forest team. Even that Wake Forest team has major quarterback issues because of the Sam Hartman thing. Of course, then they have Alabama and Georgia and all those guys, and that's that's a different story. But this is a Vanderbilt team that could go potentially 3-9, and 4-8, and, and be drastically improved over last year. 
I think you're right about that. Uh, you know, look, they were whatever it was, 2-10, and 10, I think, last year was their final record. Um, uh, but, you know, Clark Lee's talking a big game. He was at SEC Media Days talking about how we all know that Vanderbilt later is going to be, you know, the best team in the country and that that's what they're building towards. Uh, you know, hey, we'll believe it when we see it. Um, but I, I think Clark Lee's a good coach, and, and they've made a commitment to him, and they've also made a commitment – uh, to their facilities, which everyone knew that's what they actually had to get involved with. They actually had to make a commitment to their football program uh, that they really wanted to compete in the SEC. Uh, so they've started to do that. Uh, will it be enough? You know, we'll, we'll see. Time will tell over the next few years. Uh, but I expect Vanderbilt to be improved, and I expect, uh, you know, Clark Lee to continue to slowly build that thing up uh, in Nashville. It's going to take time. Uh, so be patient, Vanderbilt fans, but uh, also show up to the stadium. Show them some support. You know, we're, we're tired of seeing uh, 37,000 viewers total or whatever it was um, in the stats that came out from last year. Uh, show up and support the Commodores, even if they're getting blown out, um, because, you know, Clark Lee really uh, needs that support, and he also uh, is working really hard to make sure that they have a winner, uh, you know, here in three to four years. And you guys are in the Austin area, right? So I am. Hank actually moved in the offseason to uh, Colorado. Okay. Yeah, I vacated Texas, so I'm I'm out of state at the moment, out of SEC country right now. Okay. Well, my point, the reason I asked that question is I know that um, Austin just got a new MLS team, and it's about a 20,000-seat stadium. It's really nice. It's up by the domain, and yeah. it's doing really well. Well, Nashville has something similar to that, and I almost think it would be better if, since the owner of Nashville SC – is a Vanderbilt guy anyway. If they just moved over, because you see that on TV, that 20,000 stadium, they'd have a chance maybe to fill that up, and they could almost make that into something. And I don't understand why they just kind of poo-pooed that idea originally. Yeah, that's a really out-of-the-box idea, and I didn't know that you know they had a soccer stadium up there. I'm, I'm not um, up-to-date on the MLS goings-on, but... I think that's a great idea. I mean, look, when you're a program like Vanderbilt and the cards are stacked against you, you have to get creative. You have to come up with ways to generate excitement, to make it look like you were saying, like make it look like we have a full stadium. And so even if it's not every game that they play there, I don't see any harm in playing a couple games there every year. And, you know, I don't know, do do a baseball style promo and throw out a bobblehead night or something at the MLS stadium because – yeah, I mean, you got to get some kind of excitement generated. And unfortunately, lately, that hasn't been generated on the field. So be out of the box and, and think of something new and, and creative. I, I like that idea. Well, yeah, uh, I mean, I think, uh, sorry, Stephen, I'll just, I'll finish that off. Um, I, I think that's exactly right. Vanderbilt needs to start thinking outside the box. I know Clark Lee has already done some of that. Um, I, I'm forgetting the guy's name right now. Uh, I think at Bart Simmons, you know, they hired Bart Simmons, um, you know, who's a, a recruiting guy. He's been a recruiting guru for a long time, but he hasn't been inside, uh, you know, of a program. And so they hired him to come in and try to, you know, think outside the box and recruiting, bring in a different perspective. Uh, so I think Clark Lee's thinking down those lines. Um, but, you know, they also need to be thinking about, I mean, I, this Hawaii trip to me does nothing for Vanderbilt. Uh, you know, they need to be, if they're going to play some out of conference games, uh, you know, they need to be, uh, this was probably with the, um, you know, last regime uh, with Derek Mason. And then when they scheduled this, and I know scheduling happens eight to 10 years out in a lot of ways, but, um, you know, they need to be where their recruiting base is. Like if they need to play an out of conference game, they should be playing somebody in a conference below them 
you know, somewhere in their recruiting base in the Southeast. Um, they need to get in front of people. They need to get in front of kids. Um, so any way they can do that, any way they can think outside the box, uh, you know, in order to get Vanderbilt football back on the map. I mean, look, James Franklin had these guys as a winner. It's not that long ago that James Franklin was winning in Nashville. It can be done. Uh, so Clark Lee, I think if anybody can do it, Clark Lee can do it. Um, but he's got a long way to go. So we'll see what happens, but they got to keep thinking outside the box like we've talked about. Yeah, absolutely. Let's take a short break real quick and hear from Bet Online. It is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all of your sports wagering information from live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts. They have you covered. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right. Thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast. We've been talking Vandy and um, Hawaii in the first segment. Now we're going to get a little bit more general. And it says SEC preview on the side, but we might just do quick surprises because we want to talk about Brew McCoy and Alan Green as well. So um, we'll start with you, Hank. What are some surprises in the SEC that you're looking forward to? And also, potentially, is Jimbo going to name a quarterback anytime soon? <laughs> oh, man. Uh I hope so. I think so. Um, I really have no feel on that on that AM quarterback situation. I my gut is leaning Haynes King, but if I'm being honest, I uh, I flip flopped back and forth at various points during the offseason between Haynes King and Max Johnson. So honestly, at this point, you know anybody's guess is as good as mine. I think um, you know. I guess at the end of the day, AM does obviously they're starting out with Sam Houston. Um, and they follow that up with App State, which is a strong group of five team, but I think a, a game that they should win, um, you know, and, and even with poor quarterback play. So I, I wouldn't be too surprised at this point, since he hasn't named someone, to possibly see both guys, um, especially if someone comes out to a slow start. I think, you know, he's got the depth there, hopefully, this year. So if, you know, one guy comes out and he's not playing well, then – throw the other guy in and see what they can do. Um, you know, aside from A&M, though, in terms of other, you know, surprises throughout the SEC, I know um, you've hit on this guy a lot at, at, at Ole Miss, but Zach Evans, I think, is poised for a really, really strong season. Um, you know, I, I watched quite a bit of his games at, at TCU when he was healthy last year, and uh, he's just a machine. You know, he he's – he will be, I think, one of the better backs in the SEC, especially in Lane Kiffin's offense, the way they'll use him. Um, and, you know, with uh, whoever ends up winning the, the job at Ole Miss, th they'll be inexperienced as well. So I think leaning on someone like that who can carry the load will be very big for Ole Miss. Um, you know, so that's, that's kind of the first name, I think, that comes to mind that, uh, you know, I think most of the people that are, that are tuning in are, are diehard college football fans, but maybe more casual people that just – put the game on week one on Saturday. Uh, we'll maybe not be familiar with Evans, but I expect him to have a very, very strong year for, for the Rebels. Okay. Yeah, so uh, I'll touch on that A&M QB battle uh, for a second. I, 
my gut tells me it's going to be Haynes King as well. Um, and I, I think, I think Jimbo, he just likes to wait. You know, he, he's done this since he's been at A&M. He waits until the last second to name a quarterback. Um, so that's what's going on again. Um, I, I just think I, I've been telling people this during the off season that, uh, I think Max Johnson's a great quarterback. Look, he beat AM last year on a last second touchdown. He played a hell of a game uh, when AM should have won that game. Uh, they had the better team last year. Um, and Max Johnson, you know, stood up in the pocket all night and, and won that game for LSU. Uh, so I think Max Johnson's a good quarterback. Um, I just think that uh, this, this goes back to me to uh, 2012 when Kevin Sumlin was the coach at AM. I see similarities in uh, Jamil Showers and Johnny Manziel. I'm not saying that Haynes King is Johnny Manziel. We don't know yet. We have no idea, right? But I see similarities with the battle where uh, Jamil Showers was kind of the safe bet. Uh, he had a lot of talent, uh, but he was just generally thought to be the, the front runner and uh, you know was definitely going to win you nine, maybe ten games. Um, Johnny Manziel was the wild card. Uh, he had a much higher ceiling, uh, but a much lower floor. Jamil Showers had a higher floor and a lower ceiling. Um, so I think that's the same here. I think we're looking at Haynes King. I think that he's got the higher ceiling of the two. Uh, and if Haynes King hits, you could be talking about 10 and 2, 11 and 1 type of season. If Max Johnson hits, you may see 10 and 2, 11 and 1. Um, but I think that you're that's the safe bet. And I think if I'm Jimbo sitting in that room, uh, if I've got an athletic freak, as they say that Haynes King is, uh, with those dual threat abilities, and if he can throw the ball like Jimbo says, um, I don't know why you don't go with Haynes King and give that kid the keys and see what you can do with it, especially when you're talking about these uh, weapons that AM now has on offense coming in. Um, you have a lot of returning weapons with Anaya Smith and now uh, Devon A-Chain. Uh, and then you've also got some of these young guns like uh, Evan Stewart, who everybody's talking about, the five-star wide receiver that AM got. So um, my gut tells me Haynes King, and I think that's who he'll eventually name. Um, and then as far as surprises, uh, you know, I, I don't know if this is too much of a surprise. I really think that the SEC this year uh, behind Alabama and Georgia is really just kind of a mix. It could be anybody that comes out of that. Uh, you know, people I know that sports media has been talking a lot about who's the third best team in the SEC. And a lot of people are saying A&M because you're just looking at the recruiting classes that Jimbo has stacked up and they've got the talent there. So they should be you know, probably the third best team just based on a roster standpoint. Um, but who knows? They were eight and four last year, right? Like they haven't broken through that ceiling. So behind Alabama and Georgia, I think it's really a crapshoot. Uh, I'm really, as I've been kind of looking through our previews, uh, we're doing our previews over at biscuitsandsec.com. We've posted about five or so now, and we'll post uh, the rest of them up until uh, the games start really next week. Um, but I, I did the Tennessee preview and, um, you know, I'm kind of looking at them and I'm looking at the SEC East and I'm thinking, you know, most people are looking at Kentucky and there, there's a ton of hype around Will Levis uh, with everything that he was able to do last year. And really, it's a lot about his stature and like his combine stats, you know, and I'm just not buying the hype. I got to be honest. Like, I think without Wandell Robinson, like he's going to he's going to regress. Uh, I know that they've got some wide receivers uh, that they're excited about, but I think that Wandell Robinson was his security blanket last year. Uh, and I don't know that he's going to be able to produce the way that he was able to produce last year. So that tells me, I think my surprise, uh, you know, if you can call it that, is Tennessee. I think Tennessee actually jumps Kentucky and ends up second in the East uh, just based on Hendon Hooker. I mean, that, that kid is, is a stud. He came in last year, did a great job. Um, and I think Heupel's really building on something out there. And, uh, 
I, I think we'll touch on it a little bit later. But, um, you know, Brew McCoy's coming in. He hasn't had a great career so far, but he has the potential. Um, and, you know, they've, they've also got uh, Cedric Tillman out there at wide receiver. They, they've got pieces um, that I think give Tennessee uh, the possibility to jump to number two. And I think that's my surprise in the SEC this year. Yeah, that's actually my surprise as well, Tennessee. I think um, they have a chance to take a real step. If their defense can stop a nosebleed this year, they have a chance to be really good um, yeah. because offensively they are going to be fine. Um, real quick, is there any other teams that we need to look at? Maybe somebody we're not thinking of, like Mississippi State, Missouri, somewhere in that? That was going to be my one. Um, you know, people are talking a little bit about Missouri. I'm, I'm just not sold on Eli Drinkwitz right now. Uh, he's recruiting okay. Uh, you know, if you look at the recruiting rankings, he brought in Luther Burden, right? A big five-star wide receiver. That's a huge get for them. I'm not sold on what they have at quarterback. Uh, and so I, I think that Missouri is just kind of going to stay middling right now. I, I really don't see much improvement this year from them. Um, Mississippi State, that's that's really the wild card, I think, in the West. Because you know that Mike Leach, ever since he's been at Texas Tech, and we talked about this last year, that guy plays spoiler, and he's good at it. And uh, I was listening to something today talking, um, you know, there was a, an NFL scout, I think, on one of the shows that I was listening to. And the NFL scout was telling, uh, you know, the show that Mississippi State has a sneaky good roster and people are sleeping on them. And they've got Will Rogers at the helm now in year, I think, two or two and a half, I guess, of Leach's offense. Yeah. So you're right. He's going into year three and he had half of that year when he when he first came in uh, with Leach. So. Will Rogers is dangerous. That kid's a good quarterback. And uh, I, I think that they can beat anybody on any given Saturday uh, this year. And so they could finish last in the SEC West, or I could see him as far as high up as like number three. So who knows? We'll see. Yeah, the bottom of the SEC is interesting in that way because after Alabama and Georgia, you just really have a bunch of teams that you can just almost magic eight ball this. It's like, okay, Mississippi State, you know, when it comes yeah. to that. I'll, I'll let Hammer take this in a second, but uh, mm -hmm. South Carolina is the same way to me. You know, mm -hmm. they've got some talent. Beamer is building over there, but I have no idea because there's a bunch of other teams that are right there in the middle that are probably better than them. But, hey, South Carolina could take a step this year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I don't have a ton to add, frankly, because I'm in the same boat as y'all. I, I don't know what's going to happen behind Alabama and Georgia on either side. You know, I think – and I do think this is a, a even broader theme you can take outside of the SEC. The way the transfer portal has been working, the coaching carousel that went on last year, there is so much unknown across the country that, yeah, I could look at Mississippi State and say, all right, they got a good quarterback, good coach, good defense. Like, sure, they could finish second. But then you go down their, their schedule and it's like, man, a lot of these games are coin flips. Same for, you know, A&M, Arkansas, Ole Miss. It's like if things click, they could finish second. If things don't click, then they could finish, you know, sixth. I think uh, I think Auburn is probably slated for last, but uh, those two through six positions in the West is wide open. And then, you know, same in the East. I don't know what Florida's going to do. I don't know what South Carolina is going to do. I'm not very high on Kentucky. I'm pretty high on Tennessee, but like you said, a lot of improvement needs to happen on defense. Maybe that doesn't show up just quite yet. So I, I really, yeah, I don't know what to expect. And, and frankly, that makes me even more excited for the season because, you know, when, when you have unknowns and you have close games or, or games that should be close, it just creates more excitement throughout the year. 
Steven, before we move on, I, I got a question for you, and I may have missed this, but okay. did Ole Miss name their starter yet, too? Because we're no. still thinking. Yeah, we're still thinking on that, right? Yeah, well, Lane Kiffin is not going to name a starter. It, you're probably until the um, first snap of the game, but everything I've heard out of camp is it's going to be Jackson Dart. Got it. Um, I have not heard one person say it's going to be Luke Altmeyer. But if you hear Lane, Lane Kiffin talk about it, it's a complete quarterback competition, and we're going to take it all the way to the game. Sure. But I, I, I think it's going to be Jackson Dart. He has the rapport with Michael Trigg. There's so many transfers on that team, and there's so much talent on this that team. It, I'm actually looking forward to the Troy game. Hey, before we move on, tell people, um, Alex, um, tell people um, how they can read your stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so if you guys want to check us out, we're uh, biscuitsandsec.com. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter at biscuitsandsec. Uh, and we're also on Instagram and Facebook um, at those handles as well. Yeah, it's a really good read. I think we're going to um, search it where they have a YouTube page. You'll be able to see this on there as well. And we'll tell them how to do that after this show's over with. Um, and every time we upload it, you can catch it at all of your different locations. We're going to try and expand the network that can watch this show. Real quick, we're going to take a short break when we come back. We will be talking about the news of the week. All right. Thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. Rate and review us on iTunes and Spotify, please. You can say whatever you want to say. Just make sure it's a five-star review. That'll help others find the show in the future. Just say whatever. You can talk about Steve being a narcissist, but his guests are really cool, and that's going to be completely fine. Uh, Just make sure it's a five-star review. Anyway. The news of the day happened is Alan Green has essentially been forced out, which means the Auburn Boosters got their pound of flesh that they tried to get from Brian Harson in January. Yeah, Hammer, take this one. You can start it. <laughs> yeah, I'll go ahead and start. I mean, exactly what you said. This is a direct response to the initial hiring of Harson, which we know Boosters were not a fan of, and uh, Green stood up and said, this is my guy. I'm going to make this hire. Uh, they tried to force Harson out after one season. Did not work. And now they've forced Green out. Um, and I think I'm, I'm actually going to read something real quick. It was a quote from sitting athletic director um, of Tennessee, Danny White. And he tweeted after this went down this afternoon and said, congratulations uh, at a Green the fourth for getting the heck out of a crazy situation for greener pastures. I admire how you manage that chaos with class and integrity. Look forward to seeing your next chapter. (laughs) From a sitting athletic director in the SEC. So in my mind, that tells me all I need to know about what's going on at Auburn. Brian Harson already was a sitting duck. He's even more of a sitting duck now. I mean, I really... I don't know what they're doing other than it seems like scrapping this season and the boosters are going to make a power play, probably hire whatever athletic director they want and then hire the coach that they want at the end of this year. And I I feel for Harson, I feel for the players because they still have to play 12 games. They still have to play an SEC schedule. And it's clear that, you know, the university and the administration is not in their corner. So it's, it's a tough situation. And Auburn just continues to be a, just a total dumpster fire when it comes to off-the-field 
athletic department goings on. So it's a mess down there. But yeah, I was I was floored when I saw that quote from a sitting AD in, in the conference. That's pretty unbelievable. I hadn't seen that yet. Um, but, you know, so I, we could all read between the lines as soon as this came out. You know, as soon as the news came out that, you know, Green was stepping down, it's kind of like, oh, okay. Yeah, he was forced out. There's This guy has been in athletics now for how long? I mean, a decade or more. Um, he's well-respected throughout the industry. Uh, and Auburn seemed to have a good one. And now he's just stepping out, you know, for other new professional opportunities that are undisclosed and unnamed. He got forced out. Um, and by the way, if I was the Auburn athletic director or assistant AD or whatever, uh, I would be looking for new professional opportunities anyway. I wouldn't last one year there because I wouldn't want to be there. I mean, the uh, the environment there is just completely toxic. We saw what they put uh, Brian Harson through in the offseason, which – seems completely unfounded uh, after an investigation. So he's still there coaching, um, you know, but he uh, he's now just a, a sitting duck. You know, he's a lame duck coach. Uh, that's just the truth. Like he does not have his security blanket there anymore. And Alan Green, who's the one who fought for him uh, and is the one that, that hired him. Um, and now he's just kind of sitting out there on a limb. And, and like Hank said, they now have to go play a full season. And Brian Harson somehow has to recruit. Uh, while pretty much everybody, everybody in the SEC now is going to recruit against him with this, right? Uh, you're going to walk into somebody's living room, whether it's Alabama, Ole Miss, Texas A&M, or Tennessee, or whoever, um, and this kid's considering Auburn, and now you're just going to tell him, uh, Brian Harson's not going to be there. You have no idea what, who their coach is going to be. Josh Heupel, you know, is going to be here for another four years. You know Jimbo Fisher is going to be here for another six, seven years. You know that Nick Saban is going to be here until he's 85 years old and walking around with a cane. Um so it, this thing right now with Auburn, it, it's really uh, unfortunate. And this has just gotten even worse and worse since Gus Malzahn left. I mean, that guy keeps looking better and better down at UCF. Like, good for him. He's making millions of dollars hanging out in Orlando now and uh, just having fun with UCF. And, you know, he just gets to watch from afar at the dumpster fire that's taking place at Auburn. Uh, the big question I have coming out of this really is uh, who, when, and uh, if – it happens, but when it happens, uh, who's going to take this job? I mean, when it's you have Alan Green and you've got Brian Harson, uh, who by all accounts is very well respected coach. And I think if they actually gave him a shot, Brian Harson would probably do a pretty damn good job. Mm -hmm. um, but they're not giving him a shot, and he's going to be out of there soon. Uh, they had two of the best in the business, people who uh, are respected throughout the industry, and they are going to run him out of town. So who in their right mind, what good coach would take that Auburn job except for a crazy psychopath who's willing to take on the boosters? And I don't know who that is out there right now. Todd Graham. Todd Graham. <laughs> Maybe it is. Yeah. But seriously, um, if you look at Auburn's athletic department under Alan Green, um, Lance Thompson made the College World Series. Bruce Pearl actually made Auburn basketball worth watching because before yeah. then it, it wasn't. And they're just trying to rebuild their football program. And honestly, if you would leave Brian Harson alone, he would do that. It, 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 okay, I'm going to ask you this question real quick, and I know this is biscuits and SEC, but this is kind of relevant because Texas is coming in. More dysfunctional booster group, Texas or Auburn? That's a heater. <laughs> mm. I would say at the moment, it's Auburn, hands down. <laughs> you know, uh, Texas has its own 
fair share of issues that have been well documented over time, right? Um, I do think within the last couple of years, at least, there's there's potentially, I won't say definitively, but I think potentially there has been some egos that have been checked in that room. Because let's be honest, they hired Steve Sarkeesian, who on paper was not a home run hire, right? They had their sights set on, if you recall, on Urban Meyer. That's who they were going to hire. That's who everyone said they were going to hire. That's what all the fans said they were going to hire. Uh, that didn't happen. There. Their athletic director, you know, went for went for Sark. And, uh, you know, he was a guy who had been incredibly successful at Alabama as an OC, had a little bit of time in the NFL. But his prior head coaching, um, you know, had not been good, partially, probably mostly due to off the field issues. So I would say, you know, his head coaching prowess is to be determined. But I think at the as we sit currently, it, it is Auburn is in a much worse spot, you know, with boosters meddling than than Texas. I think if you maybe fast forward or, or sorry, rewind back to 2012 when they were pushing Mac out, um, then I think Texas would take it. But at the moment, I don't think it gets worse than than what Auburn has. Yeah, it's even it's hard to imagine that like the Bobby Petrino Jetgate thing happened like 15 years ago, 16 years ago. I mean, it it wasn't that long, but it's just one calamity after another, and it's like, hey, let's have a Watergate every five years. That's the Auburn boosters. It's absolutely ridiculous. Anyway, let's move on real quick before we get out of here. Brew McCoy got his eligibility from the NCAA after a long pronounced fight between Tennessee. At USC, and it just kind of got weird. But now you have like a 22-year-old redshirt freshman um, that is going to be good in that Josh Heupel offense. People don't remember. I think he was Bryce Young's wide receiver at modern day. Yeah, I mean, it, this is pretty pronounced but with what's going on. But I think Brew McCoy could be a good wide receiver and a nice compliment for Cedric Tillman. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you, Stephen. Um, I mean, there's a reason the kid was a five-star. You know, those services don't miss very often. The kid has a lot of talent. Um, I, I think that the issue that I see is all of the stuff that he has gone through up to this point to getting to Tennessee. Um, if you look at uh, look back at, you know, uh, some of these five-stars who have gone through this or four-stars, right, who were highly touted coming out of high school, um, and they end up at their third school or their fourth school or, you know, what have you. Um, a lot of times that is a predictor of a bust. Uh, those kids that are four and five stars that stick it out at their said school, whether they contribute early or whether they come in and, you know, junior year and then then it's their time. Um, those kids that stick it out, usually those are the ones that make it and end up being really good and end up uh, with an NFL career. Um but, I, you know, I've read some stuff about that and, and the kids that end up transferring a few times, uh, you know, thinking of like Eric Gilbert right now at Georgia, um, thinking of Brew McCoy now at Tennessee. Um, that Tate, is whatever his name a, is. Who's that? That Tate, whatever, that went to Ohio State, Miami, UNLV. And, Tate Martell. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. He's a prime example of what I'm mm. talking about. Um, you know, so – Look, they they have Eric Gilbert has talent. Uh, you know, Brew McCoy has a ton of talent. It's whether or not uh, what's going on up here uh, is going to translate to the field, and whether or not that they can get things in order behind the scenes. Which it sounds like, based on what's coming out of Tennessee, that Brew has that. He's got some things going on behind the scenes, whether it's academics or other things, 
Um, you know, Heupel's been talking him up uh, and saying that he has those things in order. So, um, look, I, I think Tennessee fans should be excited about it. The kid has talent. Uh, he's going to be a good piece in this offense. Uh, is he going to be, uh, you know, this world beater, like a, a possible Blitnikoff, uh, you know, winner? Remains to be seen. I, I would be very uh, skeptical if it was. I think Cedric Tillman is going to still be the center piece of this uh, passing attack. Uh, but I think he's going to be a nice piece, and I think he's going to be helpful to Hendon Hooker. Uh, and I think it does give them a slight step up in the SEC and, and uh, in the SEC East and why, you know, I think that they are going to be a surprise team. And, and you know, part of that's Brew McCoy. Yeah, they are biscuits in SEC. This has been the Week Zero Preview. Thank you very much, guys, for coming by and doing this. And we're going to be doing this all season. So I'm going to get with Hammer in just a second and tell him how to um, spread spread the word out a little bit. But um, I will let you guys go. And let's enjoy some football because I think we've earned it. Right, guys? Absolutely, Stephen. Can't wait for it. Glad all to be right. with you again. All right. Biscuits and SEC's Week Zero Preview right here on the Locked On Ole Miss channel. We will see them every Saturday throughout the football season. And you can wake up every morning to these guys letting you know what is up. So anyway, take care, everybody, and we'll see you next week.